But it's a journey, and if if companies haven't gone on that journey, then what is the point in even trying to look? And that, that, that was a very valid point yesterday. What is the point in even trying to look at zero trust if you haven't got the basics in to the edge the official podcast of the SSE forum the SSE forum brings together people like you the IT practitioner who are conquering the biggest challenges in networking and security together the members of the forum share strategy uncover requirements and discuss best practices for enabling the modern workplace through security delivered at the network edge to learn more about the SSE forum go to sseforum.com IO. This podcast is sponsored by Access Security. Access Security secures the modern workplace. They make access to resources and applications impossibly simple and completely seamless. Take the Access 29-minute challenge. See how easy secure application delivery can be. Learn more at accesssecurity.com. And now, on to the podcast. Welcome to the inaugural episode of The Edge. I'm John Spiegel from Access Security. I will be one of your two hosts on this journey. Our other host is Jay Tilson from TT Electronics. Hello. Jay, what's up, man? I realized on that other call on a chorus on the SSC forum, you've got me talking about the fact I'm freezing and I had the boys in my room at the start and it was recorded. I've watched that about, oh my God. So I've, I've pulled out what I thought were kind of the, the three what yeah. takeaways that, that I got from it. And, and that was, and they're not in any particular order, but the order that they came in, I think, was. People don't like to hear the acronyms all the time, SSE. True. Yeah. There's a lot of confusion. A lot of confusion. I think ZTNA is a, is, is becoming almost a trigger buzzword. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, I, I think we asked questions, and I, I mentioned this on a call I had earlier. We asked the questions on where people were on their zero trust journey. I actually would like to spend the next session explaining to them the parts of SSE and what each mm -hmm. acronym means, and then ask them again, where do you actually think you are now? You understand what they are. Right. Where do you think you are on your journey? Because I don't think that many people get what all those different parts are, maybe. Everybody has a different opinion of maybe what CASBs means or what DLP means. Um, and then the last one I pulled out was, and I mentioned this on a call again earlier, is we're asking people where they are on the journey, and it's like we're asking them at the start of the marathon, but there's a lot of preparation for a marathon. Have you eaten properly? Have you trained? Are you fueled properly? And that, yeah. to me, is yeah. like the MFA, the, the, the IDP and all of that. We're asking them where you are on the journey, and some of them can't even start the journey because they haven't done the prerequisite. Right. Absolutely. I, I thought that was very insightful, um, especially around the conversation of IDP. So uh, I remember 
you know, back in my days where uh, we were doing infrastructure, we made a transition from one IDP to another. And we thought, all right, so this is going to be like Gilligan's Island. It's going to be, you know, a three-hour journey. And um, all of a sudden, we'll, we'll make this transition smooth and successful. We'll set ourselves up successfully to take advantage of the new IDP, their, their cloud services, and that's gain alignment around that. That journey took six months. It involved my team, the operations team, the security team. It it all got all the way down to application owners. We had no idea what we were getting into. And that didn't even start the process for MFA. It set the stage for it, but it didn't, it didn't, it didn't even start that process. So um there was a lot of long days and long hours, uh, weeks and months put into that. And, you know, it, you got to have IDP right uh, in order to, to really be successful uh, in this journey. MFAs, I mean, MFA is difficult. We, um, mm -hmm. we wanted to put MFA on just for the IT team to get to, to admin stuff. So when you use your right. admin credentials, you need to do MFA. Now, we, we were like, okay, just use the phone, Microsoft Authenticator or whatever. And sure. we're like, we've got people in China that don't have an iPhone. Therefore, they've got a Huawei phone or an Android, and therefore right. they can't run the app. Or even if they can run the app, it doesn't work in China particularly well. It's slow. It times out. Sure. So then what we're going to do, we'd have to buy them a, an all-flight token. Right. Like, yeah, how do you get that? Out? How does that work? And then, so even just getting the IT team working with MFA and the most basic things, was really hard and it's like okay we've got this bit of software and that bit of software and this bit of software and that bit of software and you need to set them all up and how often do you want to remind people is it every mm -hmm. time you log in and then right. okay now you've got your domain admin account on mfa what happens if your mfa goes down you can't fucking log into the domain what are you going to do sure but sure. then we needed a break glass account with passwords in it didn't have mfa turned on and then you're like oh and it's just the whole once you start getting into it you're like this is really quite difficult Absolutely. You know, I remember uh, when we rolled out MFA originally, uh, we didn't use the Authenticator app, and uh, that was a clear mistake. Uh, instead, it was, you know, call call the phone, uh, put in a code, so on and so forth, or, you know, confirmed via that method. And what I saw happen was, you know, it was clunky and, and not successful. So we rolled that out um, to a, a subset of people. The problem was the comms were not great. So uh, when we did finally uh, leverage the application, uh, we had a, you know, 20% of the folks that were still doing the, the, the phone method and trying to get them to convert it over to the authenticator method. It was, uh, it, it took time, it took challenges. I mean, the, the operations team uh, had to make several phone calls a day and, and move people over. And these are users who, you know, at the end of the day, they're just trying to get their job done. That's, that's what they want to do. And here we are, you know, trying to increase the security posture, but we're making it um, inconvenient for them. So uh, to your point, I mean, IDP is a, is a prerequisite, but it's a, it's a very, could be a very challenging one if uh, done incorrectly or gone into with, uh, with not the right set of, of uh, realities that, you know, that endeavor uh, involves. Well, I think the issue is, is, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when you didn't even need a password to log in, right? Sure. So we still have, as a manufacturing company, we we are in some areas of the world where 
people's parents, grandparents, great grandparents have all worked at the same company. Mm-hmm. And they've gone from being able to just come in and either have no password at all or literally just press enter to then having the password written on the keyboard to then having the password maybe written in their book, in their pocket or inside of their sure. jacket when they're going to work to then having to have a majorly long password that's got 16 characters and numbers and letters and special characters to now having to have MFA. And actually, on an iPhone, MFA is easy, right? You're just done. So we've kind of gone full circle. Um, But it's a journey. And if if companies haven't gone on that journey... And what is the point in even trying to look? And that, that, that was a very valid point yesterday. What is the point in even trying to look at zero trust if you haven't got the basics in place? Right. right. Again, to your point, it's like uh, trying to run a marathon without doing any training. It's going to be a bad We had day. a call yesterday. It was a, a, a VPN replace call. And they didn't know how many VPN systems they had in place. And they certainly didn't know who was using them. They'd given, they'd given out credentials to multiple third parties and multiple people. And I guess like a lot of companies, joiners and leavers process wasn't that great. So they've had people that have left that they don't know whether they've still got access or not. Uh, um, they don't know who's accessing what. They can't. So how do you sit down and have a conversation about, okay, you need to put ZTNA in, but you don't even know who's accessing what and where. Sure. And my answer to the guy on the call was, you have to do it bit by bit. You have to, unfortunately, not that I I would like to say this out loud generally, but there comes a point in decommissioning anything where you just switch it off and wait for the phone to ring because you don't know who's left using it. And if that number of people phone in is small, you leave it off and you fix it. If that number of people is large, you switch it back on again. (laughs) But at least you've started the process. Because there's so much legacy stuff around that until you switch off that VPN, you may not know who's in it. Correct. And the other challenges, some of those applications, uh, you know, it is for 100 type application. It may not uh, may not be uh, able to accept your your uh, IDP. So. Um, you know, there's there's lots of, in a, especially in the enterprise world where a company, you know, may have gotten its start in the 50s or the 60s or even 70s or 80s, um, they're going to have these le- legacy applications that are not going to integrate well with uh, some of these new technologies. How do you deal with that? I mean, I've, I've still been dealing with legacy applications that have an eight-character character limit. Yeah. And, and people are coming to me going, can you talk to your active directory? And it's like, well... Not unless we make our Active Directory eight characters, which we used to have, yeah. and nobody right. wanted to be called a number. Everyone wanted to be called a name. So now sure. it's probably your email address, which means it ain't going to work on that 25-year-old ERP system. Yeah. So, so let's, um, let's talk about one of the, um, the elephants in the room. So uh, when we had the conversation in, in the forum uh, yesterday, uh, zero trust, uh, it, it, you know, to your point around acronyms and um, – definitions uh it it was one of those ones that was hard to define uh, everybody had their own opinion of what zero trust is is it remote access is it software defined perimeter is it uh, micro segmentation uh you know the industry hasn't really done it justice i mean as a philosophy i think there was alignment that uh, this is the 
the way forward, but um, what does it mean? Um, what what did, what did you, what was kind of your takeaway from the from the meeting? So I've done quite a lot of research into it because I wanted to understand the product, and even even I found it difficult to understand what zero trust meant. Quite often, not long ago, if you googled ZTNA, you'd get an answer that came back and said zero trust network architecture, and therefore ZTNA for a while in my mind was the whole philosophy. And actually now it's zero trust net zero trust network access. And that's just one element. So what does that network access mean? Many of us use that term in regards to VPN replacement. But actually in my mind, ZTNA is network access from anywhere. Your LAN, your Wi-Fi, your WAN, at home, wherever it may be. It's network access with zero trust and many of the vendors are selling ztna just as a vpn replacement sure and and i think it's more than that and then you before you even get onto casb what what does that mean and i did some some googling today to, to get some background on this and the vendors quite often especially with ssc right now say SSC is only what they sell. So if somebody sells a CASB and a ZTNA, they'll highlight that that is part of SSC. They, sure. will, they will leave out the bits that aren't, that they don't cover. And that, I, I, and I did that on the train today, I was on the train, and I'm like, okay, they are saying it's these two things, and they are saying it's these four things, and they are saying it's this six things. And certainly from, from the SSC forum call we had, not many people get the difference between SASE and SSE. Sure. And one in in my mind, one of them has just got SD WAN. SASE has SD WAN, and SSE doesn't. Right. Right. And, and therefore, it, it's it's hard when when security people and IT people certainly right now are having to move really quick. I think the pandemic is brought about brought about a level of innovation that we probably haven't seen for a long time in IT. And it's forced people to have to make significant changes in, and budgets changed all over the world and priorities changed. And through the pandemic, I spoke to a lot of colleagues and a lot of friends where they literally took their budget plan and their, and their project plan and threw it out the window for what they were going to do and focused on, okay, we need remote access. And vendors are coming in and selling that to people. So I actually think what we what we saw on the forum was a lot of people have probably gone down that road, but the other things within the the SSC arena, they haven't because the priority was to buy that. And now you're going to have vendors saying, well, you bought that, you might as well use all these other bits that we can provide for you, and this is what we're going to charge. Or you've just got a bunch of new vendors coming out now selling bits of a product because the people they're talking to haven't had the opportunity to do research and review. IT teams have been busy all over the globe for, for two years. They've probably not been able to get up to speed with all these things. I mean, it wasn't that long Gartner released SASE and now sure. they've released SSE, like right on the back of that. And then you've got all the acronyms coming along 
Casb and DLP and Swig and all of that. And actually, I've never actually called it Swig until recently when I heard someone else say it. So y- you even get the different pronunciations of it, right? Um, Absolutely. Fundament- fundamentally, I think defining Gartner have defined them what they are, but how many people have gone on Gartner and actually looked? Or even if they did, um, they're hearing so much uh, from their vendors. And um, to your point, I mean, what IT has done in the last, uh, call it two years, uh, it's the equivalent of five years of work. The amount yeah. of time and preparation and, and what, you know, the events of 2020, March 2020 uh, resulted is this this incredible push uh, toward you know, what we thought was heading down this path of SD-WAN, of, of network transformation, uh, then became transformation for the hybrid workforce because you've now distributed your workforce. Uh, and, and as the pandemic subsides, what we're going to see, and in, in, in the, in the, uh, the statistics prove it out, whether it's uh, Price uh, Waterhouse Coops, uh, Coopers, uh, you know, 80% of their IT executives are saying they're preparing for the hybrid workforce or, you know, what I'm seeing just in my uh, uh, relationships uh, in, within town asking about what is your approach uh, from a corporate perspective to uh, once the pandemic subsides, are you going to move people back to the office or is it going to be, you know, people are going to have the opportunity to you know, start their day, um, you know, at home, uh, maybe go to the office for a few hours for a few key meetings and then um, finish up, grab their kids, maybe finish up at home as this, you know, this you've got to create this mechanism whereby the application, you know, follows the user. I, I see that, that model. And, and that's really where I see, you know, the secure service edge being uh, successful. I mean, is you're, you're, you're pushing application access or network access and security as well out closer to the user. And, and it's following the user as they, as they uh, move throughout their day. Yeah, and there's a multitude of, of changes, really. I mean, a lot of people were moving to cloud anyway, right? So a lot of businesses pre-pandemic were, were moving things to the cloud. So businesses were already considering how we're going to secure these things when they're in the cloud, how are we going to make that access easier, how are we going to make it more flexible. And creating a tunnel from your network to a cloud provider, a lot of people went down that route, created that VPN, that connectivity. Now your users aren't on your network or not in a traditional sense of being on your land. Now they're at home or in a coffee shop or at an airport or on a train. Um, then that landscape's changed as well. So I think that's SSE covers a lot of those elements. And as much as, I mean, I've got friends and family that want to go back into the office but not 100%. And if those users need to be home even one day a month, they're going to need that access that that, that, that traditional VPN doesn't really cover so much. Because instead of just having those 20 road warriors or those 50 road warriors that you had in the past, you need to facilitate that maybe your whole workforce at some point will will need to work at home, may have a Mm -hmm. doctor's appointment, may need to pick yeah. their children up from school, all of those things. Yep. So yep. The, the model's completely different. It used to be 
you had a firewall, you had 20 secure ID tokens or whatever it might be, you gave them out to those 20 road wires and you were done. You could, you could, you knew what bandwidth you needed, you knew what they were likely to do. Now, you don't know. It's really hard to know whether you might have 10 people at home on a given day or 100, or in large companies, you may have 1,000 instead of 5,000. So the, the whole scenario is changed. And, I, and that was, we, we, we got that on, that on that call, I think on the SSE forum, that was quite clear that we have businesses of multiple sizes in multiple yep. countries with multiple regions. One of the other takeaways I think that I had mentioned before was legislation in different countries that came up, right? It came up. That was right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was great that we had um, several companies there, both operating outside of the United States and uh, multinationals and talking about different regulations within, uh, you know, GDPR is, is a great example of that or, uh, you know, U.S. regulations and what happens when that data traverses to that foreign country or you, yeah. you deploy an application to an employee that, you know, resides in uh, Belgium and Belgium has different uh, ways of treating personal data than, say, the United States. Uh, I thought that was very insightful conversation. And, and how does how does the Secure Service Edge stack uh, approach that? How can you segment data across uh, borders in, a, in an era where, you know, Networking and security and IT is is borderless. It's it's going to be the, kind of a hard a hard challenge to 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 uh, to solve. Yeah, because one of the use cases I've I've seen in the past and had to work on in the past is if you go to a country where you're not allowed to export certain things to, then how do you stop those users getting that access? With traditional VPN, that was actually quite difficult. Whereas now it's easier. It, it, it can be location aware. And for mm -hmm. instance, if you work for a company that makes ITAR information, it's not allowed to traverse borders, for instance, then it's now available that you can say, okay, if you're in the US, you can access it. If you go outside of the US to a country where you shouldn't be allowed to access it, you can shut that down. Now, that was a, a use case that I've seen in the past for manufacturing companies, mm -hmm. and it was never easy to solve. Now, now those things are easier to solve, right? And just, just that advancement. And, and I'm really excited for the SSE forum as we start to dig deeper in, in, into what the businesses do and where they come from right. and, and, and to understand because I'm sure SSE will fix things that we haven't even thought about yet. We, we, we've come from large organizations and we've had our sets of problems, but to be blunt, I'm not that familiar working in a financial institution and they're going to have different problems, et cetera, et cetera. So there, there will be a lot of similarities, but there will also be differences I think we can learn from. Absolutely. How about, uh, you know, we did touch a little bit on, on blockers uh, to adoption of technology, and it was interesting that uh, for the most part, everybody answered, uh, you know, human barriers uh, to this technology. Um, it's, it's an area we'll, we'll definitely have to dive deeper in on and, and start to explore it, you know, talk about, you know, is it, 
you know, is it people? Is it is it the tech silos that we've uh, built to manage technology? Um, talked a little bit about vendor bias, uh, and then you know, there's also one conversation we had around, uh, you know, it's if it's a technology that somebody has, um, say, a networking technology where you have one engineer and they spent a lot of time building up that uh, that. Uh, that product and, and, and laying it out. But, you know, as a result, it's very complex. And, and how do you uh, deal with uh, when that person, you know, leaves the company? Um, I, I think that's going to be another area to kind of explore and in, 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 in the adoption of these technologies. I don't remember exactly who said it, but somebody said that IT people drive change, but they actually don't like change. True. Yeah. And I, I, I thought that, that was really interesting. Uh, I, I thought that was, and that's as I mean that is true. That a lot of IT are responsible for driving a lot of change in a business, or or at least right. facilitating a lot of change. Right. But there's also a lot of people within IT that don't really want to change, or or a little bit frightened of change. And I guess mm-hmm. personally. You invest a lot of time in an IT career. I mean, I've spent a lot of time studying, doing certifications, understanding technology. No no doubt you've done the same. So if you've put 20 years of your life or 30 years of your life into, say, studying Cisco, and then someone comes along and goes, you don't need that anymore, you can do this, then part of you is going to be thinking, well, what do I do next? What does that mean right. for me? Sure. And another part of you is thinking, how much effort am I going to need to put in again? Because learning those systems inside out and upside down is a lot of effort. And, and, and it is difficult. I mean, I spent a lot of time in my early 20s doing a lot of certifications, building up that background, building that knowledge. Absolutely. It's helped me right. my career. Would I want to do it now again, where I am now, all those late nights, all that studying? all those books. So I think that's a bit of a blocker. And that's obviously a people blocker. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that's, we're excited by new technology, but it can also be a bit daunting and a bit frightening. Yeah, and especially as the pace of the technology change increases, if you think about you know, the era of, say, from 1998 to, I don't know, 2010, a lot of things didn't change very much uh, in the networking sphere. The change only really started with um, the advent of, of software-defined networking. Um, yeah. Security, you know, and in in was a, a lot about firewalls. It was a lot about uh, endpoints. Um, there was, uh, you know, logging services that you put on. Cloud came by and completely flipped the script on that. Um, you know, as as data flowed outside of the 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 walls of the data center and and moved into what uh, you know is called these centers of data across the world uh, securing yeah. that is is increasingly hard and, and these old traditional approaches just don't don't apply anymore um and as a result you know the the technology changes but i think we're going to see this this pace of this change uh increase even greater uh, as more companies adopt saas technologies uh, and and where does that leave you know to your point the the network engineer the security engineer that was uh, brought up in in that 2000 era that spent a lot of time on those certifications and knowledge those knowledge is is, is 
clearly still uh, relevant and, and more important. You, from a networking perspective, you, you need to know how routing works. You need to know how switches work. You need to be able to, to walk the path of a packet. You need to understand uh, network captures. Um, that becomes simpler and maybe a little bit easier and, and more available to an operational level person with a software defined approach or a cloud delivered security model. Um, but uh, you, you've got to be willing to adapt. And so I think it comes down to a leadership question of how do you foster a culture that is um, constantly learning and, and constantly seeking new ways to improve the delivery of IT. Uh, and and that's a that's a huge challenge uh, from a leadership perspective that uh, is talked about, but not uh, to the greater extent. I think uh, is is going to be needed uh, as as we move, you know, five ten years down the road, and this technology of the secure service edge becomes almost a you know SaaS delivered uh, network security model uh, for the future. I think it's an interesting time and. Uh, uh, the insights we're going to gain from the the forum and the folks that are participating in it, their points of view, um, I, I'm really excited about and and uh, hoping to share those out and and uh, help people on their journey and 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 make their their time and their efforts and and you know successful. So you know they can grow up and be successful in their companies and have their companies be successful because the world's changed. Thanks for listening to The Edge, the official podcast of the SSE Forum. Look for more great content coming soon as we explore the journey to the Secure Service Edge. And please give us a thumbs up on your favorite podcast platform. And to learn more about the SSE Forum, please check out ssceforum.io.